Thank you, Anne and Keith, um, for those wonderful prayers and the reading. Um, we're going to be looking at that passage in Hebrews chapter 12, so if you want to keep it open, it's page 1210. Um, and it's a privilege to be speaking today on Remembrance Sunday, and I wanted to talk a little bit at the beginning um, about, to kind of frame what I want to say about the beginning of the world wars and the predictions that people had when they started. Um, I've been reading a bit um, over the weekend about this, and the German um, leader in the First World War, Wilhelm II, said the troops would be home before the autumn leaves fell. That was a few months down the line. In this country, the famous phrase is that people would be home for Christmas. The soldiers would be going out, but job done, quick, get back, and then all would be rosy again. Little did people know, little could they have expected that 10 million people died in that conflict and it lasted for four and a half years. Similarly, World War II, the predictions as well were that it would be brutal but not necessarily very long and that one lasted even longer and there was even more loss of life, a different kind of a loss of life in many ways. Those wars couldn't have been predicted from the beginning to how they ended up at the end. Maybe someone did. But really, you can make all the predictions and you might be right, but you might not be right because you actually knew you might have just made the right kind of guess. And I wanted to kind of hold that thought with you this morning to think about our lives here and now. Certainly not saying that our lives are like being in a world war, but actually we know we're in a strange time of difficulty and struggle because we know that the end is coming. Jesus is going to come back and things are going to be drastically and amazingly different. There is going to be an end to life as we currently know it but we don't know how long that's going to be. Really interesting, if you read through the Gospels, how long the disciples thought that that would be, and even the, um, the rest of the New Testament, people living in those days were pretty sure that Jesus was going to come back during their lifetime. Well, here we are, 2,000 and a bit years later, and he hasn't come back yet, but we still hang on to that hope that he is coming back. But no one could have predicted how long this period of time would be. And anyone who predicts it today, you may be right, but if you're right, I reckon it's because you've made a lucky guess rather than because you actually know. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13 that even he doesn't know, but it's the Father who knows when the end of all things is going to come. There's no saying how long this period of our lives will go on for. And maybe for you, too, on a slightly smaller scale, our lives go through different seasons, don't they? And some of those seasons are full of joy, full of goodness, full of blessing, and some of those seasons can end up being really hard. Maybe looking after a loved one who's ill. You can't predict, actually, how long that's going to last. Maybe you've been waiting for something to happen, and it hasn't happened and you're still holding on hope that that will happen. 
Maybe just things in general are difficult in your life. Maybe there is an end in sight, and I hope and pray that there is. But actually, while we're here on this earth, there will be troubles that come our way. But there is an end in sight. And the, um, the church that the book of Hebrews was written to, no one knows who wrote it or exactly who they wrote it to. So again, there are good theories. One of the theories I was reading about this week was that a woman wrote it, um, which I quite like. Um, but because it would have been a bit controversial, that's why she didn't put her name to it. Um, because there's no mention of who wrote it actually in the text. Um, but who knows? Whoever wrote it was writing to a church that was under persecution. They were struggling. And it's quite clear, isn't it, in the passage that we've read, that the struggles that they're undergoing are causing them some tough times. And there's no end, really, in sight for them either. So the question I've got for you this morning that we can explore just a little bit is, how do we wait well? How do we live in this time of the now and the not yet? And there's loads in here that can help us to find our way through the now and the not yet. Because we know Jesus has come, he's inaugurated his kingdom, the kingdom is here. But the kingdom isn't here in all its fullness. We've received some of the amazing goodness of God, but we haven't received all of it yet. There is more to come. And the more that is to come is gonna be really, really, really different, really, really, really amazing. So how do we position ourselves? I love the phrase in this passage that says, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. And that's a danger, isn't it? When we're waiting for a long time, whatever you're waiting for, whether you just have got that big hope in Jesus coming back or whether you're waiting in a smaller thing in your life at the moment, how do you keep waiting for the goodness of God without growing weary when without losing heart? Well, there's a key to that one because the beginning of that sentence is consider Jesus. Consider Jesus so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. But we're going to talk briefly about a few things to remember and then a few things to do. Because with any kind of waiting, I reckon there's work for the mind and there's work for the body, for the life. There are things that we can actually do that will help us. But there's also just a battle in our minds, isn't there, to have a good mindset. So the first thing, as we wait, as we live in this strange tension that we know things are going to change, but they haven't changed yet, is that we're God's children and he loves us. All of this uh, passage from verse 5 onwards in Hebrews 12 is all about the discipline of God. And we could talk about this for ages, couldn't we? And it's a little bit complicated um, because we don't exactly know what they're undergoing, and it's a bit unclear whether God is causing it. Actually, I don't think God is causing it, but he's saying, the writer is saying, endure the hardship as discipline. So the best mindset that you can have when you've got hardship coming is to think, okay, this is a discipline for me. What can I learn from it? How can I grow? How can I change? But we do that with the underlying knowledge that we're God's children. God's disciplining us as a father disciplines his children. All of you who are parents know, and all of us have had parents, we know 
that growing up is a lot about training, training your children to do what you want them to do at the time when you want them to do it. That's uphill, isn't it? Um, and maybe even now, I can remember my dad kind of trying to tell us to do stuff, get ready, you know, I don't know, all sorts of stuff. I was telling Becky recently, actually, about all the funny rules that we used to have over dinner table, like no singing. This is like classic in my family. No singing at table, no... Um, and, and then we started humming, so it was no humming at table. You know, all the ways you try and get round stuff. And then started making other noises, no tuning at table. That doesn't make any sense, but my dad was just trying to get us to shut up. Um, one hand, no elbows. Um, all of these things, but they were all made into acronyms. So so um, you could just look at my brother and be like, O-H-N-E, one hand, no elbow. Um, <laughs> you can imagine the amazing fun that we had um, in our house as a child. It was quite funny. But it was all about discipline for us. It wasn't particularly hard, that discipline, but we received it actually in joy because it was quite funny because we made a joke out of it because we knew that he loved us. We actually had a happy home. So then you have discipline, but it's okay because you know that it's aiming for something that is reasonable and good, and you kind of just suck it up, don't you? Even if what you really want to do is sing all the time. Um, sometimes you've got to learn not, not to do that. And God loves us as his children. And whether you've had a good experience of having parents or being a parent or whatever... God loves you as his child. God loves you as a perfect father who just pours out his love on you. But that love isn't a wishy-washy love. It's a love that is leading you somewhere. That love is training you to be the person that God wants you to be, who God made you to be. Discipline isn't the same as punishment. Because punishment is just about the past and saying, don't do that again. But discipline is actually about the future. It's the same root of the word as disciple. So when we're thinking about being disciplined, we're thinking about being disciples. We're thinking actually about the future. Who are we becoming? So when we're enduring hardship, whatever it is, you can be asking the Lord, how can I be learning and growing you don't have to say to God, this hardship is from you, but you can say to God, please teach me through this hardship. Help me to learn and to grow and to become the person that you made me to be because he loves us. So we're his children, he loves us. The other mind thing I've just said is discipline is not the same as punishment. And the third thing for our minds is to keep in mind that things will change. If you're in any doubt, read the Bible, because this talks about the promises of God just on every page. The beginning of Revelation chapter 1, the very end of the Bible says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death 
or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. There is something different coming. Hebrews chapter 12 is positioned directly after Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11 during Advent, which I'm really excited about. But the very end of the chapter talks about all these faithful people who followed God and did amazing things and saw God do amazing things. And it says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. It's a bit of a complicated sentence, but those people who are so faithful are still waiting for the big ending, so that we'll all receive it together. And those among our number now who die before Jesus comes back, we don't need to be afraid about that either because we can know that something better is still coming. Together with us, we will receive what God has promised. So, that's the things to keep in our minds. We're loved, we're disciplined, not punished, and things are gonna change. So the things to do, how do we actually live in this way that will help us? The first thing is just keep going. Don't get weary, don't get discouraged. Live in the way that you know how to live. If you really don't know how to live, get in a small group, get on the life course, read your Bible and find out because it's not a secret. The Christian life is not a secret. So keep going in it, don't get weary. We've got to remember who we are and use our hardships to get stronger. I don't know if any of you are big gym goers, I'm not, but I know um, when you work out afterwards, it really, really hurts. And then the crazy thing is people go back and do it again a couple of days later and hurt themselves all over again on purpose. Um, but that's the kind of discipline that makes you stronger. We can use the hard things that are happening to us to make us stronger. I don't know if any of you have heard of Christine Kane. She's a, um, a speaker and um, runs A21, which is anti-trafficking movement, um, which is now global and does really amazing things. She's got a phenomenal ministry and does loads of women's conferences and building up women to live for God. Her personal story is absolutely tragic. She was abandoned as a baby, just left, and then was found... There was no name. Her birth certificate doesn't even have a name on it, just a number. And then she was adopted, and her adoptive parents abused her. And you think, how can someone get through those challenges in life? But miraculously, and through the strength that God gave her, she has come through those challenges and now enables other people who have maybe had a difficult start in life or who are experiencing difficulties now to get through them as well. But that's a huge challenge to me because I think, you know, I've experienced no hardship in comparison. And what am I doing with my life? Am I actually using the experiences that God is giving me 
to grow up into the person that God is calling me to be? Are we using those hardships, kind of like lifting weights, to make us stronger? It might hurt at the time and hurt even more afterwards. But that process is making us stronger. The other things that we can do is seeking the kingdom and seeking peace. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God first and everything else will be given to you as well. There's something about prioritizing the kingdom in our lives that brings it a little bit closer somehow. We don't know exactly how that works, but as we seek God's kingdom, God responds to it. So if we want to see people healed, if we want to see people knowing God and their lives changed, we need to live like that ourselves. We need to prioritize peace. This uh, passage in Hebrews talks about seeking peace and receiving a harvest of peace, trying to live in peace with everyone. That's a key marker of the kingdom and something that we can all dwell on today, but also as we go forward. Peace is just so needed and so important in our lives and in our society. But God can give us that peace as we seek him. I've only got two more to go. The penultimate one is live wisely. I think it's really um, great that the both passages that are referenced in this passage are from Proverbs. And to me, that's a bit of a sign that we should be thinking about the wisdom that is already available to us. Again, there's nothing secret about the Christian life, but we can be seeking peace, seeking wisdom, seeking the kingdom in all that we do. And then there'll be a harvest of righteousness for us. Finally, Keep your eyes on the prize. Who's coming back? Jesus. Jesus is the one who's coming back. He's the one that we keep our eyes on. And we keep our eyes on him in different ways. So in verse 3 it says, consider him. There's something about replaying his life to ourselves and to each other. What did he do when he was really up against it? What were his priorities in life? How can we learn from that? Considering Jesus so that we won't grow weary. It's easy to grow weary, but when we consider Jesus, we think about his life. He can be the example that we need to keep going. But if we are only thinking about Jesus as our example, we can often miss out the fact that he's also our Lord. He's also the one to be worshipped. So in verse 2, when it says, run the race, who are we running to? We're running to Jesus. Jesus is our prize. Jesus is the one that we look to, not only as our example, but as our Lord and Master and Saviour. So we don't need to be weary. We don't need to be losing heart. We don't need to be afraid of hardship because we consider it as discipline, we can think about the prize that is Jesus. Both world wars finished in the end, praise God. 
But as we've just been thinking about in our prayers, there are still wars ongoing today. We need to be praying for peace. But there will be a day when all wars finish. Imagine that, no more wars anywhere at all. And whatever you're facing this morning, that will end too. Whether in this life or the next, who knows? I can't promise you that. But we keep praying that God will bring his kingdom. We keep pressing in to the things of God and into the person of Jesus, keeping our eyes on him, running the race with perseverance. Why don't we stand? I'd love to pray for you. And if the band want to come back, um, we're just going to offer ourselves afresh to God this morning.